Hulk Barstool. It's going to be a fun day today. I'm going to invite JR to the virtual pub. And uh, as, as I normally do when he's on, we're going to talk entrepreneurship. Today's kind of special, though, in that I also stream this live to our Power Raiders Club Entrepreneurs private community, which is in beta right now. So if you're not in it, it's kind of t- tough to get in it. Uh, but we'll be opening it up to the public not too far from now. But uh, so in addition to streaming, we ended up uh, taking on some questions from Dina, who's a member of PHC Entrepreneurs, and uh, trying to solve some of her problems. And we talked a little bit about hiring and how you hire, what, you know, some of the uh, obstacles you face with hiring and finding the right people. And then um, we tackled another question that we, we took from a PHC Entrepreneurs member regarding finding your, your target audience. So it's going to be some good stuff. I hope you enjoy it. Sit back, relax, pop a bottle. Let's do it. Here's another edition of the Social Media Pubcast, where each week we invite you to the virtual pub and we get drunk on social media and entrepreneurship and other stuff. Uh, so today we're doing things uh, a little differently. Uh, well, JR is back on the show. Hi, JR. Hi. Hey. Hey. <laughs> um, so we're not only recording the pubcast, uh, but we are also... Um, do, airing one of our John and John Facebook lives for the PHC Power Hitters Club Entrepreneurs Group, which is beta, a little bit on the down low. Uh, so we're killing two birds with, with one stone, I guess, as they say. So, JR, welcome to the show. I know you're not drinking anything because you never drink anything at the pub anymore. I'm not drinking anything at the pub today because I just finished a very hearty lunch with a huge lemonade, so I have nothing, no more room in my stomach. Well, I figured eh, I'll have something. So first of all, I'm using a game-used bat for the Milwaukee Brewers as my uh, bottle opener. Get out of here. Wow. So they re- is, that, what, is that called upcycling, where they improve? Since the bat oh. was not good at all in general, and they create something more useful out of it, that's called upcycling. Just so you know, hmm. I mean, instead of recycling, well, upcycling. If, if if the bat broke, you might have a good point. Uh, but I, I'm working on a Samuel Adams porch rocker. They say it's tart and refreshing, uh, so it's kind of like one of those old lining kugels. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, which McCall it's with lemonade or whatever. So, cheers to you, man. Cheers. Cheers. All right. So, we know how this works. Uh, you take the, the wheel and you pretty much do whatever you want. I don't know what you got planned. I can't tell you, anyone who's watching the John and John, your head's like way down at the bottom, like you're like you're really, really small. Nice. All right, so then I'll just adjust a little bit. So, so what you got planned for today? 
Well, the first thing is the continuation from the last time we talked. And I know that I posted a question of where are you lacking confidence in your business right now? And we got a few questions or a few answers. And I wanted to go through those. And I'm not sure if, is it Dina? I always think it's Deanna because, you know, it is Dina. It's Dina. Okay. So it's Dina. Well, um, her question, her statement was, and the answer to where are you lacking confidence in your business right now? She states, my skills. I'm at the point where I want to hire people to do all the millions of things I'm doing. Mm. And I'm not confident I can afford to, to, I was a couple twos, to hire all these professionals. Yet, so I should, should I hire an assistant instead to alleviate a little pressure? But then do I have the time to teach an assistant? Come on, you, John, you've, you've, we've dealt with this lots and lots and lots and lots of times. What shows up for you with that question from Dina? Uh, where do we start? I mean, I, I mean, you know, I struggled really, really hard. And first of all, Dina's, Dina's listening right now and watching. So I oh, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I def, I've struggled from the beginning in terms of hiring people, um, knowing whom to hire. I think, I think go whom in that case, whom to hire and, um, you know, what responsibilities I want to pass off and how much I should budget for that. Um, so it's, it's definitely a challenge. Um, and I'm still fighting, fighting with it, but I think, you know, we're in a really good place right now where we've hired some really good people. And, um, Part of it, I think some was just trial and error, and don't get me wrong, we've cycled through some good people as well, some really good people. It's just that people move on, they go bigger, better things. But you have to take that kind of leap of faith with people, you know, get recommendations from people, whatever, um, to find the you know the right fit and uh, experiment and see what works for you. But um, I mean. <laughs> Where do you want to go with this? I mean, I feel like we go a lot of different directions with hiring people. Well, so here's what's showing up for me, and this is a topic that keeps coming up where it's about resistance. And, you know, when we put anything out there on questions that are connected to one's confidence, it's like, oh, I don't have that confidence. And the first thing that shows up for me is this idea of resistance. And, you know, what is the pushback that, that you're giving to this idea of outsourcing. Where do you not feel comfortable in outsourcing? How did you get past that uncomfortableness, that sense of uneasiness and loss of control? Because even for you, John, we've talked about this many times in, at Pubcasts, as well as just uh, some of the John and Johns. You you still enjoy all the control. You used to enjoy just you know, making sure that you did it because no one else could do it better than you in your head. What? And yeah, in your head, in your head for sure. So, so then by you having that resistance, it caused well, us to be a little slower with outsourcing things. Would you agree with that? 
Well, I mean, I, I don't really like the way you worded some of that. I mean, I feel like <laughs> uh, for me, it was just a matter of because I think there's a point where you need to have a hundred percent trust, and um, that it's, things are going to be done well. Um, and if you don't have that, I, I think that you hired the wrong people. Because if you're if you hire people to do a task and you end up doing it yourself anyway, or you spend a lot of time correcting what they did, what are you paying them for? Um, okay. So, I don't know. That, that's that's what shows up for me, I guess. I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take this down a rabbit hole, um, because when I reread this this statement. The dean says, it says, I'm at a point where I want to hire people. I'm going to stop it right there. So whenever I think about when someone says they want, I always think of, well, do they need to? So is it a want or is it a need? So that's the first speed bump or the first question that I would pose to Dina is, is this a want or is this a need? Then she states, uh, to do all the millions of things I'm doing. So I'll stop that there. Whenever I think of anybody who says they have all millions of things to do, the first thing that comes up to mind for me is prioritization. Are they A priority things, B, C, or D priority things? Because millions of A priorities, I doubt it. Uh, A, B, C, and D? Okay, but yeah. not A's. Yeah, I, chime in whenever you want because I'm gonna I'm going to dig deep. So you you better follow me. Yeah, no, get left behind. I mean, I, I would be careful with that. I mean, first of all, all the things. Well, definitely not all the things because I'm assuming she'd still want to continue to do something. Because um, I know that for me personally, it one of the challenges with handing off a lot is not feeling useful anymore. So. Or not knowing what's going on, so um, I would be careful about that. But additionally, it it should be what are the things that you aren't good at? Um, it's that someone else can do better. So I wouldn't just be looking to hire someone to do what you do. You should be looking to hire someone to do what you do, but but do it better. Um, because as awesome as I'm sure Dina is at everything, she's not an expert at everything. So, I mean, I think those are the first things you're going to want to pass off are the things that, you know, you, maybe you're not that good at and someone else could do it better. Um, and you know, you, JR, you and I have had this talk before. And I think after that, it goes to, you know, what are the things that you just don't want to do? What are the things that add stress to your day? And uh, you'd love to love to pass off. I mean, that, that's where I'd start, so that you can focus on doing the things that make you feel valuable and productive and help you enjoy your day. Because uh, I think what you have to watch out for is passing off those things that uh, make you feel good about yourself. <laughs> you don't necessarily want to do that either. I was waiting for you to give our canned answer. No. Of love, love, like, and hate. Yeah. That has been my delegation filter forever. It's when I love doing something and I'm really good at it, 
I don't think about delegating it. I don't think about outsourcing it. When I like something, uh, it's I'm okay at it, but you know, I could take it or leave it. And then when I hate something, I hate it. Mm-hmm. So as Dean is looking through these millions of things, are they millions or thousands? Okay, it's millions. The millions of things, you would look to the things that you want to keep, the things that you love doing and you're good at, you're really good at. Uh-oh, I just saw a post. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so then the things that you hate and aren't really good at and don't energize you, you outsource. My longtime example painting. I don't paint the house. I outsource it. I don't like doing it. I don't even know if I'm good at it because I just don't want to do it. So, so I outsource that. So that's, that's half of, of um, Dina's dilemma. You know, she's trying to figure out, all right, where can I streamline? You know, where can I prioritize things as an A priority, which is a high importance, high urgency, or what's a D priority? low urgency, low importance. So as you, you know, break down these millions of items or duties or responsibilities, prioritizing by priority and importance is, is one filter. Then the other one is this idea of love, like, and hate. Now let's get to the second half of, of her post. I'm not confident I can afford to hire Now, the idea that I always think of when I think about affordability is what's the cost if I don't? How much money am I leaving on the table by doing something I'm not really good at uh, that someone else can do? Now, I I don't know what Dina's business is, but uh, do you know, John? I don't know. I don't recall, but I think we need to have her on uh, the John. And John yeah, so yeah. One of these, yeah. Maybe next wants, week. She wants. Yeah, she wants to do it next week. We could we could do a little spotlight, hot chair, hot seat, whatever you call it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just kind of going back to affordability. You know, I just look at you know, can I afford not to? If I don't do it, what's the worst result that could happen? If I don't hire someone, what's the worst result? I'd burn out. I become bored, I'm sad, whatever it is. So, Dina, that's what I would look at as well as you're thinking about affordability is, uh, you know, what if you don't, you know, what's it going to cost you if you don't? And I guess the last part of this is around the idea of what are the shortcuts that I can take to be able to afford? And what I mean by that, John, you and I have talked about this a lot, I do not believe that there's 40 hours of, of work truly for, for a particular job. Let's just say writing. I don't think that there's 40 hours of writing that, that we would hire for. Right. I don't think there's 40 hours of project management. I don't think there's 40 hours of graphic design. I think that there's five, there's 10 hours. So when you're thinking about affordability, truly think about the job that you're hiring for. And then the beauty is there's no better time than the present for independent workforces, meaning you can go out there and find people who will do projects. They will do hourly. They will do all types of different things. So um, 
to find to find talent is easier than it's than it's ever been. Yeah, and speaking too about affordability, I mean, Dina goes on to say, yes, that's what I want someone to do it better. Um, and I know that it's going to cost me to pay for the professional. I fear giving up a huge portion of my revenue. And that's where I slow down. Like, you should never be giving up a huge portion of your revenue to a professional um, to do a job. So I would look at, you know, what is the value of whatever it is someone is going to. Oh, hold on. Dang it. What happened? Hold on, hold on. Are we back? Yes, we are back. What happened? <laughs> uh, That's know. okay. Um, let me back up. I just want to make sure that we're back on uh, the Facebook Live here before we continue. Okay. So one thing that concerns me is when Dina says, I fear giving up a huge portion of my revenue. And... Because basically, you know, if you're going to pay someone to do something, it that whatever that thing is should either make you revenue to make up for whatever that cost is and then some, or it should free up time that allows you to make more revenue to make up for whatever that cost is and then some. If you're just giving away money to somebody and now instead of you know, whatever you're, you're still making the same thing every month, and now you're just giving a chunk, and it shouldn't be a huge amount uh, to that person, then it's not worthwhile. So we got to make sure it's it's worthwhile. I mean, uh, what, what what do you think, Jared? Yeah, I I think that that there's some napkin math. I think you look at it for napkin math. You say, okay. <laughs> Here's where my revenue mark is right now. Here's where my profitability mark is right now. Here's where the cost of goods sold, which is all the stuff, you know, salaries and internet and phone, all the stuff. And then you just benchmark it. And then you say, okay, from in order to get from point A, let's say point A is a hundred thousand dollar a year business to a $300,000 a year business, which is a 200,000 increase, a three times multiple. Well, if you go three times multiple, nine times out of 10, you're probably gonna go two times the expense, maybe one times the expense. Now you won't go three, because if you go three, there's no reason to grow. No reason to grow to 300,000 if you're kind of at the same flat profit level, none at all. So I think that's a big mistake that a lot of people make is that, and I've seen it firsthand. I was a, a coach for 40 startups um, that were trying to get to a million dollars and some were starting from scratch, some were at 100,000, some were 200,000. And we saw it a lot of times when the people who went from 300, 400,000 to 500 to a million they were 20% profitable. When they got to the million, they were in the red. And it made no sense for them to get to the million other than just to say, we made it to a million. So, so I, I say all that to, do, to say to do a little napkin math 
think about what's the real investment that these people will return for you. And it doesn't always have to be revenue. I mean, there are intrinsic and extrinsic values for it. I know that if you want more free time, uh, you might have to invest in, you know, whatever personnel there is. Mm -hmm. And then you can just say, now I have my evenings free. Oh, wait a second. My marriage is struggling because I'm doing too much bookkeeping because I'm worried about the money too much. Then you, you say, well, you know what? If I want my marriage to improve, to turn around, that's what you do. Or if you say, man, I gained 15 pounds because I'm doing too much bookkeeping and not enough working out. So this is, doesn't have to be about a direct one-to-one -one relationship to profitability. To me, it's about the balance. What is the life that you want to, to, to have and then make that connection? So. Yeah, it, shows up yeah, I think it's important to point out it's it's not only about the revenue. So when you brought up the point about three times and if you're making end up having the same making the same amount net, then it's not worth it. I mean to a point. Uh it seems like a lot to pay to make three times. But at the same time, if if the res result of this is that you're saving ten hours a week of work. Uh, and and now you've got a lot of free time and able to do a lot of things and your, your quality of life is higher, better. I mean, then maybe it is worthwhile. So, um, you know, you have to figure that out for yourself in terms of how you value things. Sweet. So what what else was her comment? Because I don't see it in front of me. What, what else did she say in the comment that she sent to us? Um, basically, you know, she did want to hire someone who does it better. I know it's, mm -hmm. going, to be, it's, uh, it's going to cost me to pay for that professional. I just fear giving up a huge portion of my revenue. That's what she said. So uh, here's, what, here's what I like about I want someone to come in and do it better. There's a lot of thinking around this idea that just good enough isn't enough. Because I know I'm that guy. Tonight I have a, a talk uh, at a professional networking event. And... I am one that tends to overthink, overprepare, overworry. And 90% of the time by the time I'm end with I end with any of the things I, you know, any of these public uh, you know these presentations, I end up thinking, "Oh, that was way too much time, way too much work, and it I didn't have this just good enough mindset because I thought it could just always be better." And this is where, John, you're, you're a master at this. You do a really good job of figuring out what just good enough is. And I would say it's procrastination and laziness. And then you'd end up saying it's, it's just good enough. And it ends up working. So I'm, I'm playing you know, tongue-in-cheek with you. But end of the day, I, for Dana, just also just being be realistic with yourself on what the expectation or the standard is. Does it have to be professional? Can it be amateur? Can it be just good enough? Because you are absolutely right. When you're top grading, meaning upgrading your talent, bringing new resources in, if you're expecting to make it better, make it more professional, you're going to pay for it. It's going to cost that. So that's mm -hmm. one thing that I've learned. When we, when we decide to outsource, yeah, we know we're going to have to pay a premium if we're expecting a, a higher standard for it. So 
that's kind of the last thought that I have. Yeah, I think my last thought for Dina would be is a little homework assignment. Um, make a list of, first of all, all the tasks that she does now and throw them into buckets like you're talking about of um, things she likes to do, loves to do, hates doing. Um, additionally, maybe some tasks that she's not doing because she doesn't have the time to do it right now. But after that, I would create another column for, you know, especially for those things that she could pass off. Not, not anything that she loves doing, especially me. Probably not the things she likes doing. But those other things that she can pass off, um, what's the value of that to her? So what could she do if someone else is doing that and someone else who could do it better? So is it the value that it frees her up? Um and she can relax more, or is the value that she could do more work that uh, will make her more money? Uh, I mean, I think that then that's how you start prioritizing, you know, who, whom you hire first for what tasks and what you're willing to pay a little bit extra for. Well, John, why don't you direct her to the tool that we have for that? Because I, I can't. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> Well, here's a joke, and and this, Dina. So you know, you are the inspiration for this uh, new tool that we're going to create for the entrepreneurs group, because I feel that in order to get work done, you have to write work out, and we've created four PDFs so far. The fifth PDF will be one that's inspired by you, Dina, which is going to be the love like hate inventory. I just made it up right now. And it'll be a worksheet with three columns that you can just list out all the types of work you do. Because I, I have a similar worksheet that I use from another leadership system, but it's not like what I just said. So we're going to re-engineer this and put something out there for you. So, But in the meantime, make it easy. Blank piece of paper, three columns, love like hate all the types of things you do and then you go from there awesome so we're already at 25 oh. minutes was there something else you want to talk about see what i was just getting started i don't know what's going on i guess that lunch is kicking in really well um so one other thing then or maybe some more let's just see how things go uh michael or is it michael or michelle i can't see my i don't have my glasses on there's a response so oh yeah it is it, i am old i am old uh, so I'll just say the statement was finding the right customers for my business. Mm -hmm. It's like, where are you lacking confidence in your business right now? And that was the answer of finding the right customers for my business. All right. I'm going to be really long winded right now. So be patient with me. Take another sip, John. I'm going to read a quick blog that, is in alignment with this, and I want to see what you think. All right, here's the blog. Beware of false averages. Some people like really spicy food. Some people like bland food. Building a restaurant around <laughs> sort of spicy food mm -hmm. doesn't make either group happy. It's tempting to look at pop music, network TV, and the latest hot fashion and come to the conclusion that the recipe for success is to focus on everyone mm -hmm. John and I'm not going to read the whole blog but that, that was the theme of it 
Who wrote that? Tell me about this. Seth Godin. Okay. Seth Godin. Seth Godin wrote that. So I'm, I, yeah, I don't mean to steal, but uh, I am one that is, you know, a huge Seth Godin follower. He writes an amazing blog every day that's less than 100 words, and those are the ones I like to read the most. But, yeah, so that, that was the title, Beware of False Averages. And, you know, John, you have kind of evolved through this, uh, this idea of, of not serving everyone. Yeah. And uh, when, when we have that finding the right customers for my business statement where they're lacking confidence – Tie those two together. What shows up? Yeah. Well, I think um, making like producing the spiciest food or whatever it is, especially in early going, (laughs) is really important. And forget everybody else that hates spicy food. Um, (laughs) Forget. What if they complain? What if they complain? It's like (laughs) I'll give you your money back. Don't come back again. You know, um, and that's kind of the way that I eventually saw it, and it wasn't right away. Because um, in the beginning, you know, I was creating content, trying to be for everybody, whether you're a marketer or otherwise. And then as a marketer, you know, it could be a beginner, it could be intermediate, it doesn't matter. And, you know, it, that's, you don't make any money that way. And I didn't. And it wasn't until. I decided, you know, and for a reason, um, I wanted to focus only on the advanced Facebook marketer. And, the, and not only that, fa- Facebook advertiser, the business took off. And I think there's a reason for that, because then that group of people suddenly saw that my website was for them. In the past, they didn't necessarily think that. They're like, yeah, there's a lot of beginner stuff in there. It's, it's, it's not for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over here instead. Their food's not spicy enough, you know? Um, so uh, I think that was a huge part of my growth was zeroing in and understand who my target audience was and then creating, it, creating content for them with them in mind at all times. So um, to Michael, Michelle, or whoever you, you were saying, um, I think that those two things are important. So... Figure out, you know, who your target audience is, and when you figure that out, I think it's it's important, in my opinion, that these are people who have money to buy something from you. Okay, um, that's not to say don't ever work with nonprofits or work with small businesses, but just know the challenge you're up against when that's what you're doing. Um, so once I made that shift. To advance Facebook advertisers, I knew that these are people who are spending a lot of money on ads. If you're spending a lot of money on ads, you don't want to waste money on ads. You're willing to pay a little little bit for products. So um, I would think about who that target audience is and then create content with them in, them in mind. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically what I do. But it, it took some time to get there. I'm going to add some spiciness to this because you, you, it's not as spicy yet. So <laughs> what would you describe? Did you really think that when you were starting this all the years ago, did you think that you were leaning more towards spicy or bland? Definitely bland. <laughs> what you're doing. Bland, but <laughs> a, a part of the reason for that, 
I wasn't ready to create spicy food. I, 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 like how when is this gonna end talking about spicy food? But uh, I was I wasn't ready to create spicy food yet because I wasn't a very good cook. So I'm not gonna talk about all these spicy foods. I didn't have as much experience in it. Um, so it's kind of um, it's kind of interesting that you know along the way during that first year when I had to build my business. Guess what I had to do to build my business? I had to start advertising more and more. So it was never to the point where it's like, you know, I decided, oh, advanced Facebook advertisers, those are people I need to target because they have money. I don't really know anything about Facebook advertising, but I'm going to create content for them. Right? That's, yeah. I mean, yeah. so yeah. If, if I had started this in the very beginning, I couldn't have really been writing about advanced Facebook advertising because I was still kind of um, intermediate at that point. But it was like during that first year of having to make it, like I had to make it work. So I was advertising a ton and trying to figure it out and experimenting. Um, and that's the only reason why I was able to then create content for those people. So that's, that's the story. I love it. So, so, so here's what shows up for me for this a bit because when I think about – if someone wanted to create a spicy food restaurant oh, and I sat there and said, the market, are there enough people who like spicy food absolutely. to create this restaurant? Okay. So yeah, you say absolutely, but you got to know how to find or create that tribe of spicy food eaters. So would you tend to go to, and I'm not asking you as a literal question, but I'm rolling into this idea of know your tribe and know what you're energized by. If you love to create spicy food and you love to keep testing and you know you want to be renowned for spicy food and be on those food networks and blah, 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 then just know it's going to take some time. And yeah. I think that's, that's one of the unrealistic expectations when people are like, oh, I want to... I, I want this really fine niche. Well, you've got to go all the way around the world to find those people and spend a lot of money. So there is a balance when you're trying to figure out who that right customer is. And truth be told, I think the customers find you. I think you might have this belief like, oh, I want to work with these people. I think what ends up happening, it's kind of a mutual exchange. You find out who your customers are by finding out what you don't like about them. Yeah, they they they're the same way with you. They find out, like, yeah, you know what? I don't like John Loomer because he wears a stupid Milwaukee hat, and then <laughs> then 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 you aren't their customer or you aren't their client or whatever the exchange is. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, I mean, I don't. What I don't want though is for people to think, oh, if you build it, they will come, because that that's not the mm -hmm. case. I did a lot of weird stuff in that first year or so trying to get found. So I did more than just write. Um, that's why I was also experimenting with podcasting. Like I started podcasting pretty early and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, creating video, like YouTube. I was getting into even Pinterest and Google Plus and like all that crazy stuff. 
um, commenting on blogs. Like I, some of that's like old school. Like I'm not saying you should go out and do all this stuff, but some of it's partnering and like you know writing content for other people who have an audience. It's that's your ideal audience. You know, being interviewed on podcasts and where like being selected, like oh yeah, that's my ideal audience. Their audience. I mean, there there are ways to push this along too. That you know, I definitely did. You can't just sit back and create content and products and hope hope people find it. Well, I'm going to set you up on this one because what shows up for me is there's a, a couple of mindsets. Are you an engineer or an artist? Hmm. Or are you a scientist or a marketer? And and there's very I've I've had this debate lately that I'll pick the first, which is engineer or an artist. An engineer most likely says this has to work. That's that's what they're doing. They're trying to reach perfection. That's what an engineer leans toward. An artist keeps trying keeps trying to see if something works and if that doesn't work all right i'll try this technique if that medium doesn't work i'll try that medium so when i look at business now i've had a huge shift that it's not more about perfection of being an engineer um it leans more toward trial and error and that's why i was about to walk you down the plank of choosing if you're a marketer or a scientist because I believe that you're more scientist than marketer. You oh, go in the yeah. lab I hate and you marketing. just test things out. Well, I knew it. And that's why I was that's why I was leaning you to say that. Because but would you describe yourself as more of a uh, an experimenter uh, and more of a scientist when it comes to what you've been doing through the years? Yes. Yeah, I now I wouldn't say <laughs> I, I think I, I certainly within the first three, four, even five years. I experiment less than I used to now, though, just because I feel like I've found what works. Now, that can change, and I can get complacent, don't get me wrong. But um, there was a lot of, like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to, what to start. I didn't know how to create a product. I didn't know what product to be bought. I didn't know whether anyone sign up for a webinar. I didn't know how to do a webinar. I didn't know how to do like, All these, I didn't know. I just did it, and I just experimented and tried, tried it. So... Um, I think it's it's important to kind of plow through all that to figure out uh, what works and what doesn't. Sweet. All right, that's all I got. We we went thirty five oh. minutes in, I think. Hold on. Yeah, for those listening on the, the, the podcast, I had to finish my beer there because I cannot finish a podcast with a partially finished beer. So. <laughs> I've just asked the bartender for my tab to pay for my beer because I don't have to pay for anything you've got over there. But, uh, yeah. So before we close out here, JR, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at BackupCEO. And I will put my email address out there this time because I welcome at any time if someone feels stuck, they need a second set of eyes, ears on any entrepreneurship situation, Reach out, and you can reach out at J-O-H-N, so John, at BackupCEO.com. And I would also say be on the lookout for one of these experiments. Be- yes. Meaning uh, the entrepreneurship product 
uh, because we've still been, you know, as, as you know, this is a PhD entrepreneur. We said we were kind of uh, pushing this to PhD entrepreneurs today as well. Um, it's something that we're trying out. We're experimenting. It's a small beta community right now. Um, next step is really creating a product for people as well that may, maybe they do, maybe they don't want to join a community in addition to that, having that product. But we want to create a lot of resources to make joining that community more valuable. So be on the lookout for that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, thanks, Dina. Uh, if you're still listening, Dina, reach out to us if you want to be on the podcast and actually um, speak with us instead of just typing and stuff. I think it'd be really good to share your story and, and walk through you know, ways that maybe we can help you. So, otherwise, until next time, do awesome things. Peace.